second reading comes from the book of Colossians, first chapter, verses 15 through 20. Hear these words. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile him to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace the blood of the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today is Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday is a new tradition, new as of about 100 years ago. Um, it's the end of our liturgical year. Next week we begin Advent. Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year as we prepare for the coming of the birth of Jesus. And today marks the end of that liturgical year, where we remember who Jesus is, who Christ is in our lives. Christ the King. It sounds a little bit of an odd name. We don't hear much about kings these days. But we are reminded that Christ was, is the King of all covenant Today's reading comes from the book of Colossians. It's a letter from Paul to this new Christian community of Cosmia. He's writing the good news of the gospel. The news of Jesus. The Colossians were the rule of the Roman Empire, and hearing Paul's letter would have been pretty subversive. We tend to skip over the words I just read in Colossians. For some of us, they're high church words. We have heard them before. We have some sort of idea about them. We hear them here in church or around church things or in prayers or in prayer books, but we don't really know what they mean. We kind of have an idea. They don't really relate to us outside of these walls. For others, these are way too lofty and they're really unrelatable words. They were really meant for the first century Christians, but they're really not meant to be. There's this speaking of a person and kind of mystery. They're not very practical words to talk about God. We need something more concrete to talk about who God is. What are those images about God? But I wonder what would happen if we imagined that we were under the empire or an empire that was trying to control the economic market, the political landscape, the images all around us about the emperor and power. Maybe the structures and institutions that exist not for themselves, or only for themselves, not for the other people. Maybe these same structures and institutions claim authority in many areas of our life, socially, economically, 
walks with us in life. Maybe how we understand how Jesus helps us navigate this climate of the empire we have found ourselves in. Let us then listen to them with ears of subversive language that are turning the head of these Colossian Christians. Maybe they turn the head, our heads and stir in our hearts something similar. So listen again. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to that first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself in all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Anne, those are really how Paul out the emperor. They have no words in here about Caesar and his picture on points everywhere and did Caesar what is Caesar. It doesn't have anything to do with our climate today. It has all these words are pointing to something else. But they're not. This would have been crazy offensive. The fact that God, that Jesus, would be all things in heaven and on earth. How mean that he is over Caesar. He is over those powers that be. It's pretty bold of Paul to say this Jesus guy is over all things, over all creation. And yet, here it is. In this letter to a group of first century Christians trying to find their way, find something outside of what is limited to them. So let's think about kings for just a moment. We don't have many kings in our daily life. The king that I know best is King Friday. King Friday is Daniel Tiger. Um, he's the story up here. Oh, Dan Tiger is the story of um, those of you who know Mr. Rogers and the story of Make Believe, Daniel Tiger is Mr. Rogers, but Daniel. Currently, in the modern day here, we have um, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, which is a cartoon that that Daniel Tiger has the whole neighborhood and has all the people that you know from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood are now the parents of all these little kids or other animals. And they have wonderful stories on how to share, how to learn about new things, how to find foods, all, all sorts of things, brushing your teeth to going to school for the first time. We watch Daniel Tiger a lot. And the only king that I know of in our world right now is King 
and King Friday does a lot of talking like this and decrees a lot of good things for the neighborhood. That's all I know about King. Currently. But I do know that kings have made judgments, have made decrees that are not good for the neighborhood. I know they put coins out of their faces on them. They puff themselves up. They're put in charge of the militaries. They overcome the weak, show that they have power in their own land. Maybe they show their power in the land that they acquired. And maybe even some kings think themselves on important holidays like Thanksgiving, because they are one power. But if we think about who Jesus is, he is not like those kings. Maybe he's a little bit like King Friday, but maybe even not like King Friday, because King Friday still stands in place of power when we think of a king. But Jesus doesn't. We've just spent the last six weeks talking about how Jesus invites people who are different from him to the table and asks us to do the same. We've just spent this time talking about this wonderful table where Jesus sits with even a betrayer of his own disciples. He just breaks bread and reconciles with people and shows a new way. These are not things that kings do. Jesus is not the king of 2018 or of the first century that we would have lost. Nor is he the savior that everyone thought. But here he is, the Messiah. God became flesh and dwells in the Friends, we don't need another king, but we do need Jesus. So Paul is telling us to pay attention to Jesus. These words, image, firstborn, creator, created. Those are all images found in the Torah, found in our Old Testament. These images would have been what the first followers of Jesus would have known and to remember to be true about God. We too are to remember and know these words to be true about who God is. Paul writes to evoke emotion to stir in our heart, to wake us up to the world around us, to speak truth into our lives so that we can be bolstered and empowered to live boldly as the followers of Jesus. Paul writes to tell us God, that Jesus, is bigger and more powerful than the empire that we find ourselves in. These words about Jesus, who is the visible image of an invisible God, will strike really deep for me. As in Christ, Jesus, all things were created, even in these empires we find ourselves in, all the things that are seen or unseen, of heaven and earth, are touched, are created, are all in. It's a relief in the first century, and it is a relief today, that we are free to imagine a life in Christ that is different 
from the one it unparalleled contains. We are free to hope in Christ that our community, our lives will be different because all we need is Jesus. And in our shared life together, all we need is to live this out with one another. Those words about Jesus being the invisible, or the visible image of the invisible God said strike me. And as I showed the pictures to the kids this morning, there are two images that I think of in this passage. There's one, this is called Christ the Pankater. But it is an icon. And icons were used several times. Um, are still used today as a window to our own souls and to the eye and the soul of God, as a place of meditation, to pray and to think about the icon of who is being painted and portrayed here. So here is the Christ. And this is one that I think of as mystery. This is one that looks like God, looks like Jesus. There's a fireball, there's kind of glowing around him. And if you look closely, his eyes do not catch. So there's something human about this picture as well. But really, this looks like God the divine, fully God. And then, there's this picture. Jesus laughing. Jesus fully human, fully having all of those emotions that we have. And the way this picture is captured, to me it looks like it is not just that nice little chuckle, but it is that throw your head back, belly laugh, maybe even that really in-depth of you joy that has bubbled up and you cannot contain yourself anymore. These images, these particular images, have been important in our life. I share often about the ghetto house where I worked many years ago. And in our staff room, where we would have weekly, weekly staff meetings, where we would talk about the teenagers we were working with and any other things that like in the community, we actually sat at a round table with the icons here and the laughing ones here. Now, in my early 20s, that was just what our core was That was fine. And then as I started preparing classes, and I was sitting in the same seats with these kids, and where is Jesus in my world? Where is Jesus in my life? How does the gospel meet up with kids who have been hurt and abused? Where does it hit with kids who have been homeless without something to eat? And I found myself drawn to these two pictures of Jesus. Jesus the divine was what I knew God and Jesus to be most of my life growing up. This philosophy God that I will never attain to, I can only pray to, and that's okay. It's very worshipful. It's very good and I kept it up for me. And I moved a little bit closer over to the human side of Jesus. But I never experienced an image of a man 
And here I found myself in this space between, in the mystery of God and the humanity of God. And as I heard this kid in the Dale house, I found myself in that same spot, the mystery of God and the humanness of when I saw that with each kid that I worked with, each teenager, I saw that the staff. And those two images have been, um, they actually were given to me after I left um, the Dale House and after I left my first church internship. Um, and they have been with me on this road of ministry, reminding me that Jesus is divine and Jesus is human. And it's right here in the middle that we get to meet. And it's here on Christ's King Sunday that Christ, the King, or Christ, the risen one, or Christ, the one who has changed and transformed my life and hopefully yours, meets you here, fully divine, fully human, the mystery and the laughter. It is my hope that you will find great joy in that space between, in the mystery and in the human side, in the laughter side. May you find Christ the King in your life today. Amen. You will join the singing of 839. Blessed assurance.